All right then. So we just finished recording with Darren from Rocket Pool, and um, man, that was a great, great episode. The Rocket Pool guys have got something really special going on there with the Shanghai upgrade coming up, uh, expected in March, potentially into April as well. Uh, we wanted to have these guys on just to explain what the benefits of Rocket Pool, the liquid staking derivative R ETH is, um, centralized focus from Rocket Pool. Um, and the benefits of kind of the non-rebasing token as well. There's there's lots of good um, aspects of the protocol to unpack there. And I think we got into an awful lot of detail. So um, just before we get on with the episode, if you could just hit um, subscribe and like the video. If you want to get more of this kind of content, you can always go to blockmids.com or subscribe to the newsletter where you're going to get twice a week uh, in-depth really lighthearted reports on what's going on in the market. And sometimes we do protocol deep dives in there as well. Um, it's all for free. We have nothing to sell you, but um, in return for that being free, if you could just to um, help us out by just subscribing to the newsletter and the YouTube channel, that'd be absolutely perfect. Thank you. And yeah, so enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. And yeah, here we go. Your next career move could be the one you never imagined. Web3 Nomads. Everywhere jobs for anywhere people. Darren from Rockapool, thank you very much for joining us. I know you guys are, must be the most hectic time of all time for you guys at the minute, so <laughs> thank you for taking the time. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly busy. Uh, there is a lot going on. Uh, the, the last kind of, um, well, the last 12 months have been very busy, uh, but certainly the last few months have been um, off the chart so um yeah we're looking forward to atlas um and uh our next release so um yeah it's gonna be good it's gonna be a good year awesome awesome yeah um it must be an exciting time to be working on um the product that you guys are working on but um i suppose before we get into that um i like to kind of ask um what the kind of origin story was from the person on the other side of the of the mic effectively just how you kind of came into the space what the was it a real clear road roadmap from where you were starting or was it a little bit kind of all over the place and you found yourself in this space just like to hear a little bit of the backstory that's all right yeah yeah, yeah good um so uh so originally i have a technical background so as a software developer um but i also did um quite a lot of like uh software management um and product management and technical architecture and, and, and that sort of stuff um and uh, I was in like a uh, a good kind of uh, steady uh, government job um, that, was, that was doing quite doing quite well. And then um, Ethereum kind of came along, <laughs> and um, and I was kind of hooked. I fell down the rabbit hole completely. Um, uh, just just everything about it, really. Um, the kind of programmable money aspects, uh, the kind of organizational aspects of it um yeah it was it, yeah just dark, kind of dived in uh then i started doing like smart contract development a little bit um and getting into it quite seriously i started working with a local developer doing like ico contract audits um at the, at the time during like 2017 and then um <laughs> yeah, it was very busy very busy so we did a few uh, of those and then i i, I met um david um uh, who's the founder of Rocket Pool at a uh, an Ethereum meetup um, here in, in Brisbane, and um, 
we we got on really well. Uh, he's he's a, he's a really nice guy, and uh, I could tell by the way he was talking that you know Rocket Paul was um, well. A A he had a lot of passion for it, and which is which is always good. Um, but also uh, it was it was an amazing idea, way way ahead of its time. Uh, yeah, quite a few years before, but um, ahead of its time. So uh, so I think he'd been working on it for a, a few years um, at that point. Um, and then I joined in 2018 when he was kind of um, scaling up the team, um, originally as a developer, and then later on I came back as a as the um, kind of GM um, to get uh, to kind of take Rocket Pool to, to mainnet and, and that sort of thing. Um, we went on mainnet about uh, just over a year ago, like 13 months ago, um, and it's kind of taken off very, very quickly. Um, so I think we, we kind of represent about two and a half percent, almost two and a half percent of uh, all of the stake teeth that's being staked today. Um, uh, yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's it's been a really kind of exciting time. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a job where I felt um, you know as challenged um, and as uh, and certainly excited um, to, to kind of um, push things forward. Hmm. I think you touched upon it a little bit there, but I think a lot of people might not be aware of how kind of innovative and before its time the actual ideation mm. of Rock and Pool is. Um, can you just fill us on in on that a little bit and maybe like the kind of origin stories where it was born out of necessity, kind of foresight and all that kind of stuff? Because it from from doing a bit of research for this podcast, it's I, I honestly didn't believe like between like us here, I didn't mm. believe how early the idea came around. Yeah. So, so, um, so Dave actually was uh, mining Bitcoin, um, uh, and this was about kind of 2016. Um, and uh, there was a lot of talk about centralization um, at, at that point in terms of centralizing um, mining pools and and that sort of thing, and pools pools in general. Um, and so he, uh, Vitalik, actually put out a paper called the Move Paper, and it was the first kind of idea of this is what proof of stake might look like for ethereum and the fact that you know ethereum might, might go to proof of stake and so dave kind of saw that and thought that was absolutely amazing and then kind of put two and two together in terms of well you know there's there's mining pools so it's quite likely that there's going to be a need for staking pools uh or proof of stake pools so he started to kind of um build like a prototype uh of, of, of it so he, he's kind of had working code um uh, from the very very beginning, um, it didn't it didn't work because the proof of stake system wasn't there. But he had kind of like the the beginnings of the concepts and all of that sort of stuff there. Um, and then that kind of progressed, and we uh, or he he followed um, the 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 way that proof of stake was going to happen. Then I came along in 2018 and kind of helped with some of that as well um, in terms of how it was going going to actually happen. And when I joined in 2018, we were going to be launching within like a couple of months. Um, because uh, they were going to be releasing proof of stake in a couple of months, and then um, we got we got like a ping from one of the core devs, uh, core researchers saying, "Ah, oh, yeah, we've got something that might mess you up a little bit," <laughs> um, and that was basically yeah, the pivot. That was yeah, that was the pivot to the beacon chain. And uh, so, the, the, but once we once we dived into the the beacon chain and, and started to learn more about it. You know, the reasons behind the design changes um, uh, or the, the criteria and that sort of thing, it made so much more sense. Um, the, the beacon chain that we have today is 
um, is a far cry from what they were going to be going um, live with. So it is um, it is much better, much um, like originally, I think it was something like a thousand ETH or something, something like that um, uh, to to run a validator. So, I mean, that would have made our job like that, that yeah. we, it would have been essential <laughs> pretty much. Um, but um, uh, they managed to kind of reduce it down because of the fact that um, the advancements they made um, on the beacon chain. So, um, yeah, so it's it's much better, much more efficient, um, and it's it's going to set uh, Ethereum up for the future in a, in a really great way. Yeah. So, um, with the kind of beacon chain and the merge, and obviously we've got um, Shanghai coming up, kind of next major catalyst or event in the Ethereum space. So, how, how are you guys kind of thinking about this positioning yourselves? Because it's obviously got some obvious effects for you guys, but there's kind of second and third order effects with regards to kind of how liquid stake and derivative markets are, ha- are affected on chain and liquidity and things like that. How are you, how are you guys positioning or thinking about this? Yeah. So, I mean, just from a kind of like a technical perspective, so our protocol as it stands today supports um, kind of full withdrawals. So in other words, you know, um, a valid or a, a node operator exiting their, we call them mini pools, but they're validators in Ethereum uh, vocabulary, um, exiting a validator and having their collateral, their their, their ETH and um, and all their rewards coming back. Um, so you know, our contracts currently support that, but it doesn't support um, a thing called partial withdrawals. And partial withdrawals are so. Currently, you you need thirty two ETH on the beacon chain. So anything above thirty two ETH um, is 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 rewards, right? So um, at the moment, everything is locked on the beacon chain. Nothing is coming back. But um, post uh, Shanghai, um, there's going to be this continuous skimming process of anything above thirty two um, ETH is going to be skimmed and returned back to your withdrawal credential. Um, and so um, that process kind of will start kicking off. And our contracts didn't really necessarily take that into consideration because that was <laughs> we deployed our contracts before that was the thing. So um, so we're just kind of um, updating our contracts to 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 do that. And that's in our next release, which is called Atlas, which will be out um, very soon. Um, there's also some other stuff um, bundled into that um, uh, release, which are quite exciting as well. But that from a from a Shanghai perspective, that's um, that's kind of what we do. Um, in terms of uh, ah, the the other kind of uh, interesting thing that we're bun- that we, they're in that release as well is that um, so one of the things that's being delivered is this migration from if you've got so you've there's two types of withdrawal credential currently there is a um, a BLS signature credential and an Ethereum address credential they're, they're two separate things. And so to be able to withdraw, whether that's partially or um, or fully, you need to, if you have one of these BLS credentials, you need to migrate it to a, an Ethereum address credential. Um, and so most people will kind of do that um, you know, to, to be able to access their skimmed rewards. Uh, so Rocketport is actually hooked into that kind of process. And for people who have a BLS um, um, credential, they can actually decide to either, you know, assign it to a, a withdrawal address of their choice or they could come to rocket pool so we have like a migration path for those solo stakers who want to um who want to migrate to rocket pool 
so that that's a kind of a, a thing that's coming with that as well um so that that's kind of like on the on the technical side on on the uh, like planning side uh we're just watching very very carefully um <laughs> about the um about what's what's going on and and the, the test nets and all of that sort of stuff so uh, it looks to be it looks to be progressing very very well so far so um i think they they said kind of march and my guess is early april but um uh but yeah so that's that, that's that we're kind of watching that quite closely yeah makes a lot of sense so i suppose if if there's kind of new market participants or new defi users um or new kind of people coming into the ethereum community are still kind of learning the trade so it were um can we do just do a high level of rocket pool and the kind of where you guys think you position yourself best from like unique selling point perspectives and things like that yeah yeah so there are kind of like two sides to our um, product um the on the both sides are for people who want to stake their ETH and then and then kind of the proof of stake rewards um, that come along with that with staking their ETH um on one side we've got liquid staking which um is essentially you deposit eth um you get our liquid staking token back and then you just hold that token and over time that token accrues um staking yield um and that yeah accrues staking yield um the way that works is a non it's a non-rebasing token um which i can go into a bit more um, if you want but um uh so but it's essentially the value increases over time. Um, then you've got, on the other side, you've got uh, kind of node operators uh, or being node staking. And that's kind of, this is kind of what makes Rocket Pool special um, because uh, usually staking services or liquid staking providers, um, th those node operators are kind of like a company or, um, uh, or they might be a, a whole bunch of, of node operators um, that kind of like a, a kind of professional node operators um the approach that we've taken is that we've we've spent like five years or six years building a decentralized kind of staking protocol um and the reason why we've done that is because we feel that it's the healthiest for ethereum itself um being permissionless and, and decentralized is the most important thing from ethereum because um you need a wide um a wide number of participants there's no use having kind of um uh, just a couple of um, node operators spinning up thousands and thousands of validators you want you want you want it to be as decentralized as possible and the only way you can do that is by by being permissionless so that's why we've kind of spent our time uh, doing that from day one um, and so on the node operator side so you can actually become a node operator with rocket pool uh, the advantages of that is that so as a solo staker you would require 32 eth um, to deposit but with rocket pool you currently um just need 16. you need 16 and a little bit of rpo as well uh, as collateral so um so essentially you're kind of halving the amount that you need to be a an ethereum validator the other big benefit is that so on the liquid staking side you actually are kind of like charged a commission which comes out of the the yield that you get um and it's around 15 percent because it's kind of like the average across our network um uh, on the node operator side, they get that 15%. So, um, so you actually, it, so being a rocket pool node operator is actually, um, the most profitable way. Sorry. 
no worries. The the most profitable way of um, of staking kind of your ETH today because you you earn interest on your ETH, um, but you also oh, sorry you earn the rewards on your ETH, but you also earn um, rewards um, a percentage of the rewards that you earn for the the pool for the for the liquid mm -hmm. stakers. Um, plus also for staking RPL, which is our token, uh, you also get um, kind of RPL rewards as well. So. So there's a few there's a few things there. Um, so that that kind of that's kind of what makes us special is that um, we're a decentralized protocol um, uh, with liquid staking. I should should mention um, liquid staking. Um, you can kind of unstake uh, via kind of the rocket pool protocol itself, um, or you can unstake via the open market. And you can do that today. Although withdrawals are not implemented um, on the liquid staking side, you can actually stake and unstake. Um, as long as there's kind of liquidity to do so. And so that's, um, yeah, so that's another kind of benefit of the liquid staking side. The other benefit, obviously, is that you can take that liquid staking token and then use it uh, in DeFi. So, for example, you could put that um, RETH, um, which is our liquid staking token, uh, into uh, Maker um, and unlock some DAI um, for as a loan and that sort of, that sort of thing. So, yeah, so that's that's kind of how we, how we positioned it. Nice. So with, with a kind of key focus on decentralization, how, how I suppose it's a two-pronged question, how easy is it to set up a, a rocket pool node? Could could an idiot like me, who's not exactly technical, be able to do that? And if you kind of focused heavily on trying to lower that barrier to entry as, as much as possible? Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. Um, so again, we believe that um, the more people more individual people that we get uh, um, staking, the the better the Ethereum gets um, because um, or because of we you know uh, greater decentralization, greater credible neutrality. Or, there's a lot of flow on effects from from decentralization. Decentralization is kind of like um is a is a solution. The, the end goal is actually things like you know being credibly neutral, being resilient to attack. And all of this sort of stuff. So it, there's a lot of flow and effects from that. So, um, so yes, uh, so we've kind of done a lot of work to reduce the barrier to entry, multiple barriers of entry. Obviously, the first one is the reducing from 32 to 16. Um, uh, then uh, we're actually reducing that again to eight uh, with our Atlas release. Um, so you'll actually need eight versus um, 32. Um, uh, but also from a technical perspective, uh, we've also tried to minimize the um, uh, what you need to know. So the tooling that we've managed to produce um, uh, is is very very good. Um, I do say so, um, but uh, it's kind of streamlines creating um, a node. A node. So it, it streamlines kind of creating a node or spinning up a node, depositing. Um, monitoring as well. We have a whole bunch of tooling around uh, all, uh, key management, all of this sort of stuff. Um, it, it kind of like um, pruning, for example, pruning is one of those things that kind of gets left behind. But um, you know, we have all these kind of tools around um, doing it. We support, you know, pretty much all of the, the consensus clients and execution clients. So that means that you can kind of choose which like you like, um, plus MEV relays and all that sort of stuff. Um, you still need to have some basic kind of uh, uh, Unix uh, or Linux knowledge, um, but it's it's relatively 
but as long as you have kind of like a base level of knowledge from that, it's it's very, very easy. We try to lower the barrier of entry as much as possible. So even like our screens, we have like kind of little, like a basically a little wizard that you go through to, to kind of do it. So um, we try to make it as simple um, as possible. Uh, yeah, so that there. Nice. So there's um obviously not to throw shade at any any liquid stick and derivative competitors or anything, but how how are you guys looking at kind of centralization and centralizing forces um in in this kind of industry and in, with the competition and things like that? And obviously, with you guys focusing so much on decentralization, how are what kind of pitfalls could you kind of foresee going forward if you know? Not to name any names or anything, but you can kind of see those centralized centralizing forces kind of beginning to kind of take place. Yeah. So, so Rocketpool is the most decentralized uh, staking protocol um, out there. So we've got over two thousand node operators now, and that's in pretty much every, I mean, like every almost every geographic location. So, um, so it's definitely something that we we strive um for so yeah it's a bit bit of a shame there's there's kind of centralization there are a lot of technologies that are coming out which will mean that uh, we will have more competitors and to be honest we kind of welcome we welcome that one of like we we, we want rocket pool to be successful like I, I can say i can tell you that we are very ambitious um but at the same time we so one of the things that is actually gone up for voting today, no, sorry, yesterday, um, is a uh, like a, a principles. Um, is this is actually DAO generated. So we've got a mass, massive community um, of like fifteen thousand people um, in Discord, and obviously with two thousand of those are, are node operators. Um, and so our community is very big and, and very very passionate. Um, and part of our governance structure is that you know they're, they're kind of part of the DAO. And so they've actually put up um, a vote um, yesterday to uh, codify self-limiting in, into, um, at least from a principal perspective. From a technical perspective, we still need to figure out how, how, how best to do it. Um, but um, certainly from a principal perspective, um, this is and so that we can kind of ratify that decision through our DAO. Um, so that the idea behind that is that um, any staking pool that gets, okay, so Rocketpool suffers less from this because we are decentralized. Um, but even even if we got if, even if we um, if, if that was the case, we, if we got to a you know a significant size, um, which we're not at, like we're at two percent or something like that, and we would need to be at something like twenty percent. So if we got to like twenty percent, we would um, that what the the principle states is that we would self limit. And the reason why we would self-limit is because Ethereum is more important than Rocketpool. Um, you know, Rocketpool doesn't exist without Ethereum, and so um, uh, you know it's important that we respect that um, relationship. Um, and so that's what the kind of proposal um, does: is it is it says that we will we will self-limit if um, uh, if we ever get to that sort of size. It means that there's less tail risk in terms of Rocketpool. It means that. You know, if there's ever anything that goes kind of goes wrong with Rocket Pool, um, then you know nothing happens to Ethereum. So you know, there's there's actually very few things that can go wrong, but that um, that's essentially it. Nice, love that. Um, so a couple of the features that um, you've 
previously mentioned, but I'd love to just dig into them a little bit more because um, mm-hmm. there's some of them that's kind of been the real motivation to kind of get you guys on and why, like myself, and I know a couple of hundred uh, in our Discord and things like that are also heavily invested in, <laughs> in you yeah. guys. So um, so can we can we dig into non-rebasing tokens and, and how yeah. that dynamic works and the kind of pro, pros and cons of that? Yeah, sure. So, um, so a non-rebasing token, um, actually, I always have to explain what a, re- a rebasing token is first. So a rebasing token is essentially, um, so it's a yield-bearing token that um, increases its quantity over time. So its value is like this nominal um, or notional one-to-one with the underlying. So in, in this case, it's ETH. So a rebasing token is one-to-one with ETH, um, or at least it, it's you know, soft peg uh, to to one to one ETH, um, but uh, the, the the quantity of the token you get um, it actually increases, which makes makes perfect sense. I mean that that's that that kind of um, makes a lot of sense. A rebase a non non rebasing token is kind of the opposite. It's actually that you have the quantities um, uh, stays the same, but the value actually increases over time. So the value against ETH actually increases. So I think our ETH is worth something like 1.05 at the moment. Um, and that's because um, we've been on, you know, um, uh, on mainnet since uh, last November and we've, we've accrued value against ETH over that time. And so what that looks like from a, a user experience perspective is that you stake your, your you deposit your ETH um, and you get some amount of our ETH back. And then over time, um, it kind of accrues value against ETH. And so when you swap it back, you actually get more ETH than you want to put in. Now, um, it's a little bit, a little bit less. It's a little bit less easy to explain, but it's actually much, much better um, from for a few different reasons. The first reason is that it's much easier for DeFi integrations um, uh, to to do this. Most people who have rebasing tokens also have like a W wrapped version of their mm-hmm. of their token because. Um, uh, you, you can't really integrate um, into DeFi with with the with the base token, um, because a rebasing token um, is really complicated. But uh, so our ETH, which is our liquid staking token, is super easy to integrate into any DeFi um, protocol. Um, the other thing um, that is really great about it is from a tax perspective. So this depends on your your tax jurisdiction, but um, what what happens is. With a rebasing token, um, your quantity is going up, and so you're essentially getting a taxable event every single day. Every t- every time you know the, the Oracle price updates and you get a little bit more of this token, you're incurring a taxable event every single day, uh, which is extremely difficult to track. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, with a non-rebasing token, um, you actually have two taxable events. The first one is when you you know, swap from ETH to RETH, and the other one is when you go from RETH to ETH. Um, and so there's only really two taxable events. And so, yeah. so that was kind of the, a lot of the thought process. In, um, and we, we bounced around lots of different kind of ways of doing it. And that, that was that was kind of the best way um, uh, for it, even if I do mm-hmm. have to explain it a few times. <laughs> yeah, like the com- the composability factor, as you say, with, with Maker, and I know there's a million and one of the DeFi protocols, basically you guys can just plug into the increased demand um, for the actual token and the utility of it. So I completely agree on that. And from someone who's just filed 
taxes <laughs> last year. The tier yeah. system of uh, how much you have to pay for one of the reports through like a Cointing or Coinly or whatever. Mm. Um, the more transactions you do, the higher the <laughs> higher you have to pay for that specific report. So um, anything you can do to reduce those transactions, um, yeah. That's a that's a cost saving in and of itself as well. So, yeah, love there that. You go. <laughs> <laughs> so, can we? So, what might be confusing to a lot of people um, is how how do you guys get away with being able to be um, only having to have sixteen ETH staked or following kind of Atlas having eight ETH staked? What's the kind of behind the scenes or under the hood dynamic that allows you guys to do that? So. Um, so how it actually works is um, so what actually the, so the protocol itself is a, is a smart contract protocol, and so um, so we so you know, Rocket Pool is a company. Uh, we never we never go anywhere near client funds. Uh, all of them is goes on with our smart contracts. Our smart contracts are open source. Uh, they are verified and all of that sort of stuff. They are also audited by some of the biggest names in in the business, um, uh, and and our community thoroughly uh, audits them. I can I can tell you that. So <laughs> so uh, so you know what actually happens is when you deposit into into the Rocket Pool protocol, that ETH goes into what we call the deposit pool, and um, then that's kind of like waiting ETH that sits there waiting for a node operator, and then a node operator comes along and they they deposit their sixteen ETH. And then the protocol matches 16 ETH from uh, the protocol with 16 ETH from uh, node operators. And then that goes off, you know, 32 ETH to, to the beacon beacon chain for, for staking. Um, with uh, with the 8 ETH um, thing, it's, it's basically the same thing, except um, it's 24 ETH from the um, from liquid stakers. Um, there's some funky stuff that kind of goes underneath um, to make it more efficient, but that's, that's essentially it. Um, now, the the kind of benefit for that is you're also earning percentage of the greater piece of the pie into 24 uh, 24 ETH rather than the the 16 ETH. Um, the commission rate is slightly lower; it's about 14 percent rather than 15 percent, but it works out kind of about the same. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how the actual protocol works. It kind of matches those those two things together. Yeah, nice. I've just got the. Um... The node operator page here. Just wondered if we can, because there's a few modular options which I really like. So I just wondered if we could just go through them a little bit. So, yeah. um, so on the left, can you tell us what we're looking at? Well, this the one what's pre-filled yeah. with seven point two nine percent. Yeah. So, uh, so this is essentially calculating your ETH rewards. So uh, it starts off with like the the total amount of ETH staked on the beacon chain, which actually determines. Um, what the base uh, kind of um, return rate is, so that's why it's that's why it's the the total amount. Um, so we, that's what it calculates there for this the three point eight four percent. Then there is uh, so currently today is a fixed fifteen percent commission. Um, we used to have it kind of floating, um, but that that kind of um, introduced some some game theory stuff, which so we removed it and made it fifteen percent. So it's, that's kind of the 15% there. So you're essentially earning 15. So you're earning uh, Beacon Chain rewards for your 16 ETH currently today. Um, but then you're earning 15% of that same Beacon Chain reward um, you know, for staking on behalf of the pool. 
Um, then you've got uh, the smoothing pool. Now, this is kind of like an opt-in feature, which um, I think about something like 55% or 60% of our node operators actually use. Now, um, proposing a block as a validator is quite, is random, actually. It's, it's, it's random, and so it ends up being a bell curve in terms of uh, you get people who are kind of, you know, on the, on the average, um, you're going to probably, but maybe you, you, uh, you have about five blocks a year, okay? You might get, for one validator, you might get five blocks a year. But either side, you could have somebody who gets zero for the entire year, uh, or you, you might get someone who gets like 12 uh, or 13, or something like that. And so there's this, there's this wildly, um, a very wide variability in that. Now, how often you propose a block has a number of effects. So the first thing is you get a block reward um, for proposing a block, um, which is from the consensus mechanism. But you also get the transaction, since the merge, you get the transaction fees um, that users pay as well. These are called execution rewards. Now, execution rewards, yeah, it, it depends on the block. You know, there's, there could be loads of, it could be a very, very high gas block or a very low book that gas block all kind of depends um and also but also mev is a factor so mev is kind of like the way that um uh, you know someone can change the order of transactions to kind of um earn money essentially um or kind of to be prioritized and so mev uh depending on the block can be very very wide uh, very very variable uh, on average, it's something like 0 0.01 or 0 0.02 um, uh, of the, yeah, yeah, 0.4 over over an entire year. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, it can be very, very wild. It can, it, it can, it can either it can sometimes be one ETH. I think the largest I've seen is 40 ETH. Um, in the block, but uh, <laughs> but I think there was a, I think there was a 100 ETH block at one point as well. So, yeah. so, but they, they are what, what we call kind of like lottery blocks. Uh, you're very, <laughs> very unlikely to get them. Um, and yeah. so this, this wide variability is actually, um, if you, if you, if you're a little bit degen, then, then go for it, you know, join the lottery. <laughs> uh, but one of the things, one of the things that the smoothing pool does is, uh, so what it does there is you're kind of like all the validators, um, join the pool. They, they, they all send their priority fees and MEV to that pool. And when, um, uh, and so they, they all kind of, and so across the entire pool, there's, there's thousands of mini pools within or very validators within that pool. And so the likelihood of one of them getting a, a really good block is, 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 is much higher. And so over time, so instead of, instead of then this wide variability of, um, uh, of, so you might get zero proposals or zero execution rewards. In this case, it gives you a consistent, consistent kind of reward every single uh, every twenty eight days, actually. So that's what the smoothing pool does. And uh, one of our the people in our community have done have done a lot of analysis, and essentially, the smoothing pool actually gives you better kind of rewards over time uh, mm -hmm. than um, than kind of doing it alone. Um, although it can be it can be a little bit frustrating when you do get a good when you do get a good block and you're in the smoothing pool. <laughs> you share it between uh, <laughs> Yeah, but then everyone else does as well. So it's like uh, so you yeah, just get exactly, this kind of exactly. continuous 
continuously kind of um, good, good, right? So that's what in the long and a long version of that. That's that's what the smoothing pool is. So kind of nice. like totaling that all up, um, you're kind of uh, going to earn around that. These this APR is variable, um, and it's quite variable with the node operator. Um, so the base rate, the base return is is quite. Uh, um, not, I wouldn't say it's fixed, but it, it changes it changes less. But the variability of the APR, we should have a little um, squiggle there because it's kind of roughly 7.29%. Uh, because MEV and priority fees really depend on what blocks you get um, and all of this sort of stuff. So it, it, it is very, very variable. Um, but around kind of like the 7% mark is, is, not, is not far off. So that's, uh, that's what uh, kind of that is. Uh, on the RPL side, that's that's much simpler to kind of explain. Um, so uh, it's kind of based on um, how much RPL that you stake. Um, so obviously you need, in, currently today you need 16 ETH, um, but you also need a minimum of 10% um, of the value in RPL. So in that case, it's 1.6 ETH worth of RPL. So that's like the minimum you need. Um, to, to actually spin up uh, a validator or a, a mini pool. And, uh, but you can you can actually stake anywhere from like 10% to 150%, uh, depending on um, mm. what you want to do. Now, um, by the, the percentage rate you get on it is the same, um, but obviously you're going to get more RPL um, the more you stake. So in that in that instance, if you staked 995 RPL, you'd, you'd get around about 99 um, RPL um, per per period. So that's every 28 days. Every 28 days. So RPL is actually an inflationary. Uh, it's, it's inflationary. So it goes up by five percent per year. And so every 28 days, that uh, that inflation is kind of applied. Um, and so. Um, Seventy percent of that actually goes back to node operators as rewards uh, for for staking their their RPL, and so um, that's where that's where that kind of yield comes from is from RPL inflation um, uh, going back to node operators. Now the 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 thing with RPL is um, actually one of the things I should say about R R ETH is R ETH is one of the one of the safest. Um, uh, kind of stake well, well it's one of the safest assets probably <laughs> um the, the, like we certainly have we certainly have smart contract risk and that is something that people need to bear in mind when they um when they interact with any DeFi protocol um so that's that's definitely something but from a collateral perspective um RETH is one of the safest because um it's backed by not only the it's backed by the the um ETH collateral from a node operator um, which is their 16th um, and it's also backed by the RPL that they that they post as well so RPL is used as like a backstop collateral so if um, if there's ever like a, a um, an extreme event within uh, ethereum then that RPL can be used to um, kind of make our ETH um, holders whole and so that's mm -hmm. um, yeah so so it, it's kind of yeah there's a lot of collateral backing our ETH um, we can basically we've done a lot of risk management in terms of you know, you know what sort of effects that we are uh, covering, um, and like slashing, for example, slashing uh, is something that um, doesn't affect our um, stakers because uh, it comes out of the node operator and portion of their funds, that sort of thing. So there's no slashing risk with, um, uh, but apart from a, co a correlated slashing risk, there's a 
there's a um, but that's a very unlikely event. Uh, normal normal slashing doesn't affect um, RV holders at all. So that's RPL. So RPL, you earn that 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 kind of yield on that. And as we get bigger, you know, that will go down slightly. Um, but it's kind of um, uh, it'll never be below something like four percent or something like that. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, it's great, great run through. Um, seeing the kind of MetaMask integrations and things like that, is there any kind of additional partnerships that we can look out for uh, in the medium to long term? <laughs> there are, there are, but I can't talk about them, unfortunately. <laughs> nearly, ne um, nearly got them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, the, the MetaMask one um, was, was uh, really... But it was it was a great uh, kind of um, one for us, um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's 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 been that's been um, that's been really good. Um, yeah, there are there are some other ones on the on the roadmap. Um, I, ones I can talk about, like I can talk about Ave, for example. Ave um, is definitely on the on the roadmap that that map that's been for uh, for a little while. Um, which waiting for for kind of one thing to drop and then we'll be able to um, go ahead with that. So when I think we're doing it in V3, um, so it will be kind of on V3 um, at some point. So Aave is one of the, the kind of one of the key integrations. There are a couple of wallet ones that we're, we're kind of working on. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's there's a, there's a kind of a lot going on um, in the, within the community and with us as well. The community does a lot of our Kind of um, outreach to uh, protocols and, and that sort of thing to kind of make sure that we we give our ETH as much utility as possible within DeFi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So with with our ETH coming out of Shanghai, I can imagine competition is going to be quite fierce and competitive across the board. So how, how are you guys thinking about positioning the kind of best depth of liquidity? Is it through Curve, Aura, Balancer? I think it's you just want to be anywhere and everywhere, just as much utility as possible, I suppose. Yes. So, okay. So, one of the things we've got at the moment is um, so our ETH, unlike every other staked ETH um, out there, our ETH is actually everyone else is running at a discount. Um, we are actually a premium, um, and the the reason for that is because um, we've got an awful lot of demand, and we need our node operators to kind of spin up um, pools. Um, that's kind of the downside of being a decentralized pool. With Atlas um, and this migration to eight ETH mini pools, um, all of our 16 ETH will be able to go to eight ETH as well with this migration path for them to do that. Um, with solo migrators, hopefully, um, sorry, solo stakers coming over as well, uh, our capacity will increase kind of um, uh, greatly or significantly. And so that's going to be fantastic. That means we can, um, uh, we can kind of service that, that demand. Um, and so that's that's a kind of a, a big thing. Uh, one of the things we've got, well, there's a couple of things that we've got um, going on in terms of incentives. So we have a within our DAO, um, we have a management committee which are called the Incentive uh, Management Committee, the IMC, and uh, they're made up of um, I'm on that, but the it's mo mostly made up of community members, and they are responsible for um, incentivizing liquidity. That's their job. So uh, they, we've been kind of incentivizing liquidity, and we've also been doing a few trials on different ways of, of incentivizing liquidity to make sure that we're doing it in the most kind of efficient way. Um, we've been, I would say, conservative up until this point because of the fact that you know we need to sort out some of the supply side. 
Um, once Atlas um, actually happens, that will you know that will be kind of um, at least solved for the the, the medium term. So uh, that um, you know that that's going to be um, kind of a, a game changer for us. So it means that the IMC will be deploying a lot more funds across um, different um, liquidity providers and, and that sort of thing. Uh, we've all, we also were kind of fortunate enough to uh, win an um, Optimism OP uh, governance grant. Um, and so we have uh, that at our disposal as well. Again, we've been, um, we've been um, incentivizing liquidity on uh, Optimism and uh, when Atlas happens, that'll kind of kick into overdrive so that we can kind of take advantage of that from the, um, you know, capturing some of the, the market share. Um, so that that is, that, that's something that's, that's definitely happening. In terms of the venues that we're kind of targeting, um, Balancer is, is, is definitely popular for, for us, for our point of view, mainly because from a technical perspective, um, their metastable pools really work well with Arit. Um, because the, the the center of the graph, they, 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 metastable pools have this this thing where it can adjust the center of the graph based on the rate provider, um, which works perfect for us. It means that um, LPs don't have to keep moving their positions; it kind of does it automatically for them, um, and so that, that that that's kind of perfect for us. So we have been kind of incentivizing balancer um, quite heavily. Our liquidity position from over the last few months has you know grown very very quickly. Uh, volumes have really grown <laughs> like, since since the merge. The volumes have been massive, so uh, that's been that's been really good to kind of see. So, so yes, we will be incentivizing more kind of liquidity. Uh, we have a kind of a, a love hate relationship with liquidity incentives, um, but <laughs> we uh, um, but we do yeah. It, it will be kind of happening a bit more as we uh, once we have this kind of supply side stuff sorted out. Okay, makes sense. Right. Um, getting to the end of the forty-five minutes, but um, is there is there any way you guys are going to be any conferences, events, so people could yeah. come see you guys, or is any upcoming? Yeah. So we're sponsoring um, East Denver, or we're, we're one of the one of the sponsors for East Denver, um, and the the whole team will be there. So um, it'll kind of be the first time that we've all been together. So that'd be that'd be really nice. <laughs> um, so yeah. So the uh, the team will have a booth there um, and. We've got like um, <laughs> we've got I think we've got something like forty or fifty. No, no, almost now it's actually almost seventy. Oh now the number keeps going up. We've got about seventy members of our community that are going to mend the the, <laughs> the booth. So not all at the same time, <laughs> but but so that's it's quite men it's quite mental. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting. It's be really fun to kind of catch up with our community uh, and, and, and kind of talk to them, and you know obviously introduce new people to. To rocket pool with their kind of passion and uh, and zeal <laughs> awesome and, and if people don't live in meat space where is where's the best place to find you guys i know the discord is yeah don't just say this because you hear that discord is active <laughs> to say the least yes. but is there anywhere else you'd like to steer people uh so our twitter like their twitter is probably the first first place um uh, we also have like a, an intern that works for us that that posts quite a lot of stuff. He's, he's uh, he or she actually is 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 quite is quite good. Um, so they're kind of the, the two places to it. We've also got a Reddit, um, but definitely Discord. So if you go yeah. into Discord, um, you know, general questions, just ask them in general. Um, if you actually want to see kind of um, a lot of the culture of of, of Rockapool, have a duck your head into trading. 
um, that they, they're quite, they're very, very, uh, usually very, very welcoming, um, as long as you don't mind a little bit of, uh, a little bit of ribbing. Um, so that's, uh, so that's, so that's same kind of trading. Yeah. And as I said, it's very, very active. Um, and so you can find, oh, it's like support that, that's actually a, a biggest thing about rocket pools. Uh, coming back to your question about can anyone be a node operator? So a big thing is that our, so obviously we lower the barrier of entry in terms of our tooling, but our community is amazing. So they are working kind of tirelessly to help onboard new node operators. They have uh, literally coached hundreds and hundreds of node operators um, from almost zero to, to you know, running a, a mainnet validator. So, so yeah, getting get involved in there. They'll they'll kind of help you get on our test net um, and kind of test things out and make sure you're comfortable with doing it. Um, and then they'll they'll work them through any kind of problems you have. All right, we'll leave that link in the description below. So if anyone wants to jump in there, I'd recommend it. Um, but yeah, Darren, thanks thanks a lot for your time, and really appreciate it. And um, hopefully we can um, have another chat. I won't be at ETH Denver, but maybe after Shanghai and once things have cooled down and then we assess the landscape. But yeah, love to have you guys back on whenever. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers for the invite. It's been great.